Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. I am so excited to share with you the good news of the gospel, especially in times like these where we feel like hope has gone away from us in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. It is very important that we understand what God's will is concerning such times as ours, where many of us might be wondering what God is up to as we continue to battle and grapple with this pandemic. I uh, would like to draw your attention to Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to begin thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what is going to happen is not unusual, rather reminds us of the need to refresh our memories of what the first Easter was like and what it means for Christians, especially living today, 2,000 years down the corridors of time. I should remind you that when we talk about Easter, we are really talking about the resurrection. And as you may understand, it is a very hard teaching or doctrine to believe or receive. We can understand Jesus' death, because after all, death is no more, death lives among us, we see it every day, we've lost our loved ones. If you have been to the mortuary somewhere in Kampala, you will agree with me that death is happening almost every 30 seconds. So death sounds normal to each one of us. But when we think about a dead man, three days later, rising out of the grave, all by himself, it doesn't seem to make sense. So it is not uncommon or unusual that even the believers in Corinth would have had their reasons to doubt the resurrection. They were ready to believe everything that Paul wrote to them about, but when it came to the question of the resurrection, they were not very sure. They wondered, Paul, is it possible that someone can rise from the dead? Is it even possible, more importantly, that Jesus himself rose from the dead? We might appreciate he was a great man. He was a good man, no doubt about that. But did he really rise from the dead? So in the midst of this confusion and conflict of mind, the Apostle Paul writes to them a great chapter, probably one of the longest chapters in the New Testament, where he highlights the importance of the resurrection and especially makes a case that the resurrection is foundational to Christian doctrine, to Christian living, to Christian thinking. In fact, that at the heart of the good news of the gospel itself is, is the teaching of the resurrection. And that if the resurrection cannot be true, then everything falls apart. Now I should hastily remind you that as Christians, if the resurrection cannot be true, then even all our suffering is in vain. It becomes difficult for us to make sense of the COVID-19 pandemic. Why are believers suffering? Why are people dying of this disease? How do we make sense of our suffering if we do not have an idea that someday this suffering is going to end, that someday we are going to live in a heaven where there is no more tears, no more crying, no more death, no more hunger? Unless we see today's suffering, today's brokenness in such a foreign world in the light of the fact that there is a resurrection and a new beginning, then everything we live for, everything we are, everything we think ultimately is meaningless and purposeless. 
So what does the Apostle Paul say? We are going to look at the first 11 verses of chapter 15. And we want to begin by looking at the certainty of the resurrection. Is this really even a foundational truth that Christians should count on, that Christians should find their confidence and confirmation in? Now the Apostle Paul says that now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared even to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to the one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Praise the Lord. Paul says, whether they or I, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And what is this that they believed? The gospel. And what is this kind of gospel that they believed? Paul has outlined it for them very quickly. He has said that, number one, this gospel was given to him by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, he could not have given it to him if he was still dead in the grave. Another indication that this is the reason, Lord, who gives Paul the good news of the gospel. And this gospel is to be considered as of first importance, that it is extremely important for those that must believe, for those that must be saved, to receive the gospel and to uphold it. We have heard the Apostle Paul telling the Corinthian brothers that this is the good news that they once believed. He talks about their salvation as something that has already taken place, as something that has already affected them, something that has already changed them, and therefore, when they think about it, they don't think about it as a promise or a hope, but a certainty that has already taken place in their lives. They can look at themselves individually, they can look within the corporate fellowship in the church at Corinth, and they can confidently conclude saying, yes, this gospel has saved us. But the apostle takes it much further. He says that this gospel did not only save you in the past as a historical occurrence, but this gospel is still saving you. He says that this is the gospel in which you currently stand, that they did not just believe it way back in the past as an event, but that they continue to believe it and that this gospel continues to have lasting effect on their lives 
that even as they engage with the Apostle Paul, they can see the benefits and the effects and the results of God's work of salvation in their lives. And Paul takes it again much further from the past and the present. And he says that it also affects the future where they are going. That this gospel which they have come to believe, that has changed their lives, this gospel by which they stand even today, the same gospel continues to save them as they hold firmly to the word that he preached to them. He says, of course, unless you believed in vain. Unless you just took it as something that majority of people were taking. Unless you just believed it because it was the fashion of the day. But if you really concur that this is the truth of God's word, and that indeed that your salvation is a matter of faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, Paul says, you were saved, you currently stand in that salvation, and you will be saved. Past, present, future of the benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what kind of gospel are we talking about that has brought this wonderful hope to the Corinthian church? The Apostle Paul points out three key things that have come as the good news. Number one, he highlights the death of Jesus Christ. That Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. Number two, he says that Christ was buried. And number three, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. There it is, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul essentially is saying that one cannot even begin to imagine salvation or transformation apart from the resurrection of Jesus. It is wonderful to believe that Jesus died for our sins. It is great to remember that certainly he was buried because all dead people soon or later get buried in one way or another. But to not believe that the same dead, buried Jesus also resurrected is to receive an incomplete message and therefore not the good news. What good is it to remember that a good man died like Jesus, that a great teacher or a great prophet or a great miracle worker like Jesus was buried? What good is it if we don't also remember that he was raised from the dead, conquered death and sin for all times, and therefore has become the beacon of hope for all those that must face death someday? The Apostle Paul wants them to remember that if anyone should even worry or be in denial about the resurrection, the first thing they need to do is to look at their lives as believers. And if they have not believed in vain, they will find evidence about the resurrection. They will realize that their own transformation is attributed to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, especially remembering that a dead Jesus would not have brought transformation in their lives. So Paul's first evidence to the resurrection is saying, look at yourselves. See what God has already done in you. See the good news of the gospel you have already believed. And by looking at yourself, you will see that what we teach is indeed true. That the dead Jesus, the buried Jesus, is also the risen one. And on the account of his resurrection, life and transformation has come your way. But I want you to notice evidence number two that he points to. That Paul not only summarizes the gospel as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus... But he says that these things happened in accordance to the scriptures. What that means is that Paul is saying that the resurrection of Jesus as well as his death were not an accident. They were not coincidental. 
They were not plan B in the purposes of God. That God from the foundations of the world, from the beginnings of time, determined that he would send forth his son, who would die for the sins of his people, who would rise for their justification, as Romans chapter 4 verse 25 tells us. And on account of his resurrection, he would not only forgive people of their sins, but he would reconcile them back to himself. Paul looks to the Old Testament as a, a forever standing testimony. That Jesus Christ died and Jesus Christ rose according to what the scriptures had already predicted. Possibly Paul at this time was thinking about uh, books like Psalm 16 verse 10 that talks about the, the, the body of the Savior not being able to be corrupted by death. Maybe he was thinking about our famous Psalms 22 that documents the crucifixion of Jesus in detail. Maybe he was talking, remembering Jesus' teaching as he quoted from the whole of the Old Testament in Luke chapter 24, where Jesus says that, Did you not know what was written about me in Moses and in prophets and in the Psalms, that the Son of Man would suffer and on the third day would rise from the dead? By Paul appealing to the Old Testament, he is saying, Brothers, read for yourselves. Jesus was predicted to be the one who would not only come in the world and die, but also the one who would resurrect. And this was predicted by the prophets several hundreds of years, even before Jesus came to be. So before you deny that the resurrection is possible, or even more so, before you deny that the resurrection of Jesus specifically is possible, you need to remember what the Old Testament said even before Jesus came to, 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 to the earth. That prophets had already predicted that the Messiah would come, that the Messiah would die, that the Messiah would be buried but also that the Messiah would rise from the dead. And on account of his resurrection, he would conquer sin and death for God's people, and they would no longer live in fear of death, rather in the hope of life beyond the grave, the resurrection of the saints. That everyone who must come to Christ, everyone who must be saved, must realize that the hope of his salvation cannot be apart from the certainty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That this happened in accordance with the scriptures. But I should also remind you that the Apostle Paul does not stop there or in accordance with the scriptures. But in case you have any other doubts, the Apostle Paul takes you much further and he says, Look, brothers and sisters, Jesus' resurrection was not just a personal hidden event, but there were actually witnesses. He says that after Jesus had raised from the dead, he appeared to Cephas, that is Simon Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Please notice what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Even if we were to doubt the truthfulness of the resurrection, is it really possible that all these witnesses could have lied about the fact that Jesus did not rise from the dead? Is it possible that the twelve who walked with Jesus, who ate with him, who suffered with him, who saw him at work as he taught and healed and raised the dead, is it possible that they would believe his resurrection when they knew it was a lie? Clearly these disciples had first-hand evidence 
that Jesus had not only raised from the dead, but they could remember he had said so, that he would indeed rise from the dead, and they could see him for themselves because he appeared to them. And just in case we are not sure, the Apostle Paul goes further and says that he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters. Now, I can understand one person lying. I can even understand it 12 people lying, although that would be weird and gross. But 500 people in different places, all having an appearance of Jesus and all saying the same thing, presenting the same information about the appearance of Jesus to them, there is no way 500 people would ever do that. And the Apostle Paul says, if you doubt, you can even do your own research. You can contact them because even though some of these people have fallen asleep, most of them are actually still living. You can reach out to them and find out how Jesus revealed himself to them, how he appeared to them after his resurrection from the grave. In other words, Paul leaves no stone unturned. He appeals to the public witness of this event. And he says there is no doubt whatsoever that Christ Jesus has risen from the dead. We are sure about that. We are convinced about that. And that is why we preach this to you as good news. Because the resurrection of Jesus is foundational to the effectiveness of the salvation that you have received. The resurrection of Jesus is important because not only does it ground you in the fact that what Jesus taught and lived for was true, but it also reminds you that Jesus Christ who has overcome death and the grave is actually able to help you overcome the same, which is what makes the gospel really good news, as we call it. But number four, by way of evidence, the Apostle Paul says, what I am sharing with you is not rumors. It is not just that I had he appeared to Peter or I had he appeared to the twelve or some newspapers of our day say he appeared to 500 brothers. But Paul is saying I am one witness that after Jesus had appeared to all these people, he also appeared to me. From verse 8 he says that and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul says, I am a first-hand witness as well of the appearance of Jesus. Now you may remember that during the time that Jesus lived, Paul was not one of the believers. In fact, he was one of the persecutors of the believers. He had permissions to go and hunt down all people who were followers of the way of the Lord. He imprisoned many. He did everything possible, not only to deny what they believed, but to try to disprove what they believed as a fantasy and not fact. But we are told that, the, that, that this very Paul, who did everything possible to persecute God's people, himself at the time of this writing is a transformed man of God. He's an apostle of the very gospel, which is founded on the resurrection of Jesus. Not only is he an apostle, but by the grace of God, he has done so much work, even beyond what the other apostles had done. And now that leaves you wondering, what makes a man change from being a persecutor of others to joining them and teaching the very things he stood against? Was he drunk? Was he deceived? Was he deluded? I doubt so. And even more importantly, 
what caused him not only to be changed into an apostle from a persecutor, but also to live for the rest of his life for this message, even when it meant that he could die for this very message, just as he had led many, led many to the slaughter on account of the message of the resurrection. The man we have here as he writes to the church at Corinth is a transformed man. He's a challenged and changed man. He's convinced of the truthfulness of the gospel, that he is willing to proclaim it even when it will result into his death. And as you may remember, he indeed eventually died for this very gospel truth. For somebody to believe something as true, it's one thing. But for somebody to be willing to die for the truthfulness of that something takes it to another level. Either he is very convinced in what he stands for, or is very deluded and has died in the most stupid way possible. But you and I know that this is not true. Because not only do we hear the truthfulness of the resurrection in the fact that a great apostle like Paul tells us about it, but we are led to see how his life was transformed and how he lived the rest of his life for God. How on account of his grace, he did much more than any of the other apostles could have done. Not because he just believed it by faith, but he was the first-hand witness of the appearance of Jesus Christ to him. Clearly, if there is anyone who is in doubt that the resurrection is indeed a certainty and foundational to the gospel, there is ample evidence in these first 11 verses of First Corinthians chapter 15 that indeed Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And I should hastily remind you that the most important thing in these verses is not just that Christ rose from the dead, but that his resurrection changes everything. That the resurrection of Jesus is not only foundational to the gospel, but is a guarantee for all those who believe that no matter what they are going through today, in this sin-cursed world, one day we will be liberated from the bondage and corruption of this world to the glories of eternity in heaven. That Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead has also said, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I have finished, I will come back for you, so that where I am, you also may be. John 14. Jesus would not have said that if he was still dead in the grave. There is nothing a dead man would prepare for anyone in the grave. If Jesus had been defeated by death, he could not offer assurance of eternal life to anyone. And yet he does say so. In John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, how would people come through a dead person to encounter a living Father? It defeats your understanding if you are the kind who denies the resurrection. As we celebrate this Holy Week, especially in the midst of this pandemic, not forgetting all sorts of suffering that different people are undergoing throughout the world, including the persecution of those who believe in Jesus. May we remember during this week the truthfulness of the resurrection and find our hope and anchor in it in times of storms and trials. That we who have trusted Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord, suffering understood in light of the resurrection makes a lot of sense.
We live with an eye on eternity, with a secure and sure hope that one day all will be righted, that the reason Jesus will sit on his throne and he will bring judgment against every evil, against every error, against every wrongdoing, and that even the suffering saints one day will be vindicated, that nothing going on under his watchful eye will go unnoticed, that he will take care of each and every detail of the deeds of men under heaven. That justice will be served. Grace will be given to those who believe. And that believers who look back and see what they lost and how they suffered on account of their faith in the midst of a sinful world will one day say it was worth it. Because now we knew before the throne, before the Lamb of God who was dead but now is alive forevermore. No more suffering, no more crying, no more coronavirus, no more betrayals, no more miscarriages, no more divorces. For the Lamb of God who sits upon the throne has wiped away our tears. Glory and honor, wisdom and power indeed belong to the Lamb upon the throne. That is what Easter communicates in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this brokenness brought upon us by sin and the effects of sin all over the world. We are reminded that for Christians this is not the last chapter. Easter reminds us that there is a new beginning that there is light soon coming in at the end of the tunnel, that what has been a dark night is about to come to an end, and when the morning of God's resurrection dawns on those who believe, they will no longer have reason to worry. They will look through the grave, and they will say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Because they will see the risen Jesus, the overcomer of death and the grave, as their Lord and Savior, and they will look to him as having done all this on their behalf, and they will say, We can now face tomorrow, because Jesus Christ lives. Brothers, this is what brings sense in the midst of a suffering world. This is what reminds us to stand firm when things all around us are falling apart. This is why we can sing and say that it is well with our souls, even when we are not sure whether we will live to see tomorrow. But as believers we know that there is much more life beyond tomorrow. That even in death, we can confidently sing and say that the Lord Jesus is abiding with us, for he has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. The resurrection calls everyone who feels hopeless and helpless. And it says, brother, sister, take courage, for there is hope. Take courage, for there is tomorrow. For the one whom you have come to believe has tested all this for you, has overcome death for you. And now he calls you to stand. He calls you to trust. He calls you to believe. And he says, I have overcome, and therefore you will. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.